breaking news! Bikini Bottom is under siege from narwhals! Toothless hordes of backwoods hillfolk are plaguing citizens with junk band music, hot calling, and bad grammar! Citizens are advised to stay indoors and to avoid stomping your feet to the countrified beat! Ah! He's here! Save yourselves! <laughs> Welcome to SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's official podcast about all things SpongeBob. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. Today, we are interviewing Dave Cunningham, who is a supervising storyboard director on SpongeBob. He's worked on all three shows, Camp Coral and The Patrick Star Show, as well, and the second movie, Sponge Out of Water. And Dave has been so loyal to SpongeBob. He started on season four and he stuck around all the way up until today, and he's also invested in the future of the franchise, recruiting a lot of the young artists, a bunch of whom have already been on the show. So we're going to talk about all of that. Plus, we've got a great design perspective on the iconic characters in the SpongeBob universe. Frankie, are you ready? I'm so ready. Dave Cunningham, here we go. You're a supervising director in the SpongeBob world today. But you joined the SpongeBob team back in the fourth season, which is amazing to think about. It was after the first movie, and you were working on other classic shows before SpongeBob, like Fairly Odd Parents, Futurama, while the first three seasons of SpongeBob were airing. So, first question is what did you think of SpongeBob from the outside looking in? And what was your like opinion of the show as a working professional in animation on top of being a fan, I assume? Well, I remember the first time I heard the, the, the title of the show, SpongeBob SquarePants, and that intrigued me right out of the gate. I was like, that sounds so silly and like nothing else I've ever heard of before. I was kind of like secretly rooting for the show because there just wasn't a lot of shows like that that were just so <laughs> silly, I guess. And uh, yeah, I was working around town, but I was actually a fan of the show. I mean, who wasn't a fan of the show? It was just consistently funny, consistently clever. It was a show that fans and you know, animation artists alike really, really enjoyed and really, really appreciated. And I mean, I never imagined I'd be working on the show. Whoever's the owner of the white sedan, you left your lights on. And then so you get the job, right? So you came in as a storyboard artist. Was that the first position that you got? Yes, I came in as part of the uh, plussing team uh, on SpongeBob. There was about six or seven of us, yeah. That's amazing. And then so when you joined SpongeBob, did your, I guess feelings towards spongebob change like was it did it become more magical or did it become more businesslike after you were like inside of the world well honestly it was like getting to join an all-star team is the way i looked at it it's just the grand slam of shows i've always viewed it that way that's why i'll never take it for granted you got like the 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 strongest crew in town it's a high quality show it's got an audience that appreciates the show it's almost automatically renewed season after season so there's not that (laughs) seasonal nature of work but i could tell right off the bat that quality was something that was a high priority on the show and any old habits i had shortcut taking or things that may not have mattered as much on other shows i'd worked on mattered on spongebob it's a show that is fundamentally sound as far as animation art is concerned storyboarding and all that i remember notes i got on my very first 
for a sport. That kind of stuff sticks with me. I mean, not not a bad way. As a way, like, okay, yeah, that's that's the game we're playing here. Okay, that, that's wow. good to know. I'm glad I know what I'm getting in on. Were those boards? Was that for the first episode you worked on, which was Wigstruck in season four? Let me try it on. Hey, you've revealed my shiny dome. Hot potato catch. <laughs> Give it back, man. If you want it, you gotta catch it, dude. Oops. Oh, oh man, my beautiful wig. In case people are forgetting what happens in this one, uh, SpongeBob just comes across this incredible wig that he starts wearing uh, around Bikini Bottom, and of as always, chaos ensues. But. <laughs> With this episode, Wigstruck, what do you remember from, like, first of all, what was it like getting to work on that as part of the plusing crew, you're on the storyboards, and then what were the notes that you remember getting that made you go, okay, cool, this is the all-star team, let's go, let's do this. <laughs> I just remember a note where, uh, towards the end, where I, I did a little bit where Spongebob flies up in the air, and it was just something about the perspective of it not making complete sense, where it was like a cheat that would have worked on 99% of other shows, but, you know, the note was like, this doesn't work. This doesn't make sense. This, this perspective doesn't work with this shot. And that's one of the things that I think people from the, on the outside don't really appreciate or really don't, they don't have to appreciate, but they don't really see how much thought is put into making sure that the show is three-dimensionally sound, that it is a three-dimensional mm -hmm. show drawn in a two-dimensional world that we try to make, you know, sure the perspective makes sense and try to make sure that movements make sense in a three-dimensional world. But I remember that. I'm like, you know, oh, I got to think about this. Like, I actually got put some thought into the arc of SpongeBob as he jumps up in the air and lands. I can't just throw it out there. I got to actually think about it. It's so true because I can't even remember which one I was re-watching last night in preparation for today, but... SpongeBob like turns from the cash register to to turn around and walk away. And even the turn I noticed, I was like, oh, that was so fluid and so three-dimensional with a character mm. who is a sponge. You really feel it. And like you're saying, Dave, these are characters that are so solid. They're so foundational. The design is so strong that even a character like SpongeBob, who's so malleable and so zany and you can do any shape with him, just when he's walking kind of normally, there's still so much beautiful animation put into it. Notice anything different about me today, Squidward? Nope. I'm wearing a wig. Oh, yeah. How could I have missed it? Can you believe I found it lying around in the street? Amazing. That's a big thing. Is We're big on, you know, on three dimensions and, and volumes and everything being correct. And, and that's kind of what makes things hit on the show, too, is, is if we're cheating all the time, things are going to have the same impact. But when we make SpongeBob and Patrick and Squidward, all of them feel like they're real beings in this two-dimensional world and they have weight and they have shape and form, it makes it all hit a lot harder. It makes it so that when you guys bend or break the rules, they're that much funnier because we are yes. we, we understand the rules of how they move so that when you bend or break it, oh my God, it's hilarious. Behold, Plank Crab! How is this a good thing? Wake up, Karen. The plankton side will know everything the crab side knows. It'll be easier than taking candy from a baby. And we know how successful that was. So when you joined, did you were there any other notes that you got? Were you were you always someone who just drew SpongeBob? Were there any characters that were actually hard for you to learn to draw? 
You know, it's funny. Like when I came to the show, I was just, you know, completely just naive to the whole SpongeBob world. I mean, <laughs> I, I tell people I had no idea there was a set number of holes on SpongeBob or a set number <laughs> of ridges on SpongeBob or, yeah. or even like a set number of flowers on Patrick's shorts or freckles on uh, on Patrick. I mean, I just went in there just guns blazing, just throw them all over the place. And they're like, whoa, 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 Dave. It's, <laughs> here's, here's a model sheet. Acquaint yourself. I'd say the, per- the character that can be a pain at times is Squidward. Hey, hey, where's the road? Where's the road? We're doomed. Oh, oh, how are we going to get home? Which way do we go? What are we going to do now? There's no road here. I think town's this way. He's one of the cheat characters, doesn't make three-dimensional <laughs> space too much. You, you rotate that head, it doesn't really, you know, based on the way we right. draw him, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, we tried <laughs> to sort that out for Camp Coral, try to make it make sense three-dimensionally. Wait, how does Squidward not make sense three-dimensionally, Dave? You have to, you're like blowing people's minds right now. What what did you guys have to fix? Well, you look at the way we draw him. When we draw him on in profile a certain way, and his mouth makes a whole silhouette when we do a profile on Squidward. Mm-hmm. Um, when we do that, that that standard three-quarter angle on him, you know, kind of pokes out either side of his nose. This is very hard to do on an audio podcast, by the way. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> trying real try hard, not to use my home. hands here. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, where his, where, where his neck comes from, for example, is a bit of a cheat, too. We cheat where that comes from. And so when we started kind of putting Camp Coral together and what the characters were going to look like, they had to be three-dimensional. They had to rotate yeah. smoothly in a three-dimensional space. And so they kind of determined where, you know, what his mouth was going to look like. His profile is different than it is in the main show because it just, ah. in CG, it just can't happen. We go, you know, we're big on silhouettes on the show. We got a big, you know, kind of C shape for his mouth. It's clear and it looks really good, but it makes no sense if you're turning him around in a, in a circle. So, yeah, I, I think, it, it, Dave, you're describing another thing that I've heard, this issue of like, even when a character like Mickey Mouse was transferred from hand-drawn version of Mickey that we all know and love with a very strong silhouette, I don't even have to use my hands. Everybody knows what Mickey looks yep. like in silhouette to a CG version of Mickey for various shows and projects and stuff, they had to cheat to where whenever he would move, his ears would then move on his, like rotate right. on his head to, to, to maintain, now I'm using my hands, to maintain the two ear <laughs> yeah. silhouette. So this is the, the challenge of bringing iconic 2D animation car- cartoon designs into a CG world. So now we've kind of entered into a new world with SpongeBob because we're in such a digital age. And not only are people watching the show, but they are pausing the show. Every single frame now is potentially something that could break the internet, that could become a viral (laughs) GIF, a viral meme. We talk about them on the show all the time, and you are responsible for, partially responsible, for the notorious mocking SpongeBob pose. You storyboarded that pose, and it was from season nine of The Little Yellow Book. And uh, we actually had April Pinky Davis on the show, who is delightful and also just a student of animation. And she said that when she was looking at, at any single frame of SpongeBob, Bob, when she pauses, she can see the influence of multiple different people. And you are, you know, did you ever think that like this, this one pose in this one frame would be something (laughs) that is just like, like echoing throughout the SpongeBob universe for all time when you were drawing it? 
Well, I mean, it was based off a rough drawing by Luke Brookshire, who did the rough mm-hmm. board there. And I, I just did my, my pass, which is ultimately what you see in the meme. I, I honestly thought it was, to be honest, a horrible drawing. Uh, I was embarrassed by it. Wait, wait. wait. I, I really hated it. <laughs> Dave, you thought it was a horrible. Why did you think I it was a horrible? That. This is again well, the, this is the, so con- funny the, the, the The context is is that SpongeBob has written in his diary his little yellow book. I guess yeah. like secrets, and then Squidward learns one of them. Where when SpongeBob sees plaid, he is triggered, and he'll all of a sudden start acting like a chicken. Plaid. Hey! That's what happens in the context of the scene. And it has now morphed, thanks to the internet, into people mocking other people, which is so great. But you got this and you thought it was a horrible drawing? What? Why? What happened? I I thought mine was a horrible drawing, not loose, but I I thought mine was a horrible drawing. I turned it more into a chicken when I did my pass and I gave more a bow. And I I was embarrassed by the drawing, but it's like when you're doing a storyboard, you're doing hundreds and hundreds of drawings. And so you're like, well, you know, it's just one of, you don't give it much thought. You're not sitting there polishing it. But I did it and I was like, when the first time I saw somebody you know, put it up as a meme. I was like, holy crap, that drawing? Really, of all, all the drawings you're going to put up, that one? So, but, you, uh, so your thought as an artist was like, I should have drawn that so much better. I could fix it. And yeah. now it's like a meme that will live forever. Well, That's so funny. I've come to terms with it now. Now that, you know, um, it's funny, actually, Pinky you know, brought in one day when she was just getting started, she brought in a mocking SpongeBob pillow for my couch in my office. And it's sitting <laughs> in there too. And I get where people are coming from. The pose does look like he's mocking. If we're like dissecting why SpongeBob itself is so memeable, I yeah. think it's because it's so pure, because the expressions are so expressive, yeah. because it really does represent these little snapshots of human emotion so, so well. And I think, Dave, I, I, you may have been dissatisfied with your drawing, but I've got to mm-hmm. tell you, there's something really special and magical about that pose that you did. Yeah. And maybe because it was one of hundreds you were doing that day, we were like, I got to get this finished and you know, yeah. out the door, we have a deadline to hit. There's something just so like quick and funny and kind of raw about that specific SpongeBob pose. So so kudos to you. Congratulations. Yeah. I, I think that speci- there's so many specific expressions and, and, and emotions in SpongeBob episodes. Like I think of the one that Patrick where he's up on the, on the, the ceiling of the cave looking down. It's just, yeah. you know, <laughs> it, it is crazy. Yeah, they're just so specific that they can be <laughs> used for memes, I think. <sighs> 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 I got you now, SpongeBob! So, Dave, the really exciting thing is that you are this veteran artist on SpongeBob. You've been there since season four. You've seen so much, so many of the different eras. And now you are part of the reason why you were recruiting so much amazing new young talent like April Pinky Davis, Eliza Herndon. We have met them. We've talked to them. They're amazing. They're delightful. What is it like for you to kind of invest in the future of SpongeBob and recruiting young talent? What kind of things are you looking for? Well, one of the exciting things um, since we came off the second film has been um, bringing in new talent, talent that's coming from a unique place. The first person we kind of brought in from this newer generation was Adam Poloian, who was on working with us on the second film and joined us on the show, ultimately becoming a supervising director with Sherman Eye. But there's this whole generation of artists that are coming in now that grew up on SpongeBob, which gives them a unique perspective, <laughs> as well as makes me feel extremely old. Um, <laughs> 
But no, they, they grew <laughs> up watching SpongeBob and now they're kind of like wanting to give back to the show that they loved and have this beautiful love for the show. And they poured into their work. And Adam was like the first one of those. And now we brought in people like April and Eliza and a bunch of others that uh, grew up with SpongeBob and love SpongeBob and want to make the show as good as it can be today. Hey there, mister. Would you like to know about a very special something that makes all your problems go away? What is it? It's everything juice. A what? Hey there, madam. Can I help you out with those false teeth that yours? It must be very hard to shout hooray for everything juice. And, and honestly, animation has exploded to such a degree in the last few years, even more so during the pandemic, that we've had to, you know, really do a more vigorous search for talent. And so we're, we're bringing in people probably with less experience than we would have five, six, seven years ago. But the flip side is that we're getting we're getting some real raw talent that's going to blossom for us. And it's been awesome because we're balancing it out with veteran artists like like Ted Secco and some of the other veterans on the show. And yeah, uh, so you have the people that are really firm on the foundations of SpongeBob that have been around for 16, 17 years. And then you got people that are just you know, coming in with fresh perspective and, and fresh love for the show that are excited to work on the show. And it's worked out really well. It's been a wonderful balance. Say, it really works. Three cheers for everything, Juice. And so with the future of animation being so bright and with all these new fresh talent that are coming in, you know, how do you balance the you know, need to stay true and traditional to the things that make SpongeBob SpongeBob, but also like allow it to go into the next realm. Honestly, the decisions on, on where it's going are, are Nickelodeon's and then how Mark and Vince kind of uh, handle it beyond that. But I'll say this. I mean, when we first heard about spinoffs, I think everybody was like, OK, well, let's see how this, this this works out, because, you know, there's been a. A long history of, of successful shows is spinning off into separate shows that has not worked out uh, ideally. We're not so concerned about that anymore because of how well Camp Coral and, and the Patrick Star show have gone. It's been mm-hmm. uh, wonderful to take yes. both those shows and give them their own flavor while still maintaining a trueness to the SpongeBob humor and brand. With Patrick, we're playing with the different styles of different worlds he goes into, which is really fun. Going into like a UPA style or going into the graphic comic strip style or going to all these different styles of worlds and and then pushing the envelope even more than we do in SpongeBob, just getting crazy, just nuts on Patrick where there's really no rules at all. It's reassuring. You know, I'm nothing but excited about what's on the horizon. As long as we've got these strong, lovable characters that are always funny, I don't think we'll ever run out of stories to tell. I mean, that's what the core of the show is. SpongeBob being SpongeBob and Patrick and and Squidward and Mr. Krabs. They're all great characters. They're so strong. And I believe that any scenario we put those characters in it's going to be entertaining and funny. We take them all these wonderful worlds and these stories and these arcs. And it's fantastic. But, you know, bottom line, we have an episode with SpongeBob and Patrick sitting on a couch. It's going to be entertaining. They're strong characters. And I don't think we'll ever run out of stories to tell. Frankie, another stellar interview in the books. Thank you to Dave Cunningham, who has been with SpongeBob SquarePants since season four. What a fantastic interview. He is the coolest. Thank you so, so much today for spending some of his time with us today. 
Yeah, and it was really awesome to get his perspective on how the show has evolved. You know, his him being able to work on also starting Camp Coral and starting the Patrick Star show. Yeah. And how animation has changed. That perspective was just so invaluable. And I'm really excited that he's so excited about where the future of this show is going to go and so confident that it is going to stand the test of time. I think it's safe to say, Frankie, that once again, we can take another name and move it into the category of the perfect person to be working on SpongeBob, and that is Dave Cunningham. So thank you guys so much for listening. Let us know what your favorite part of the interview with Dave was. Was it when we were talking about how he didn't like his drawing for the That's meme, funny. the famous yeah. meme? <laughs> I think so that's great. it. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, and in the meantime, be kind. And don't forget to listen in every Thursday for new episodes of SpongeBob Binge Pants wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what we're up to over here, spread the word, write a review, and most importantly, keep watching cartoons. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>